the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. Time and time again demonstrates to his children or her children that God doesn't matter. And so he might place his career or their sports or their music or their education or his or her wealth above God. And what happens there is in so doing, they teach their children to disregard God, to disrespect God, and it costs, and it costs dearly. The costs are great. I can see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry The answer for all my life Every giant will fall The mountains will move Every chain of the past you've broken into All the fear of the lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible with you Hello and welcome to today's Grace to Live radio broadcast with Pastor Keith Crosby. Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today on the program, and we're so glad to have you back. And as always, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles or on your devices if you can. On today's edition of Grace to Live, we're continuing with Pastor Keith's series, 10 Rules for Life, an Antidote to Chaos, from the Old Testament book of Exodus. So if you have your Bibles... Please turn with us today to the book of Exodus, chapter 20. Now, here's Pastor Keith with today's study. You shall have no other gods before me. Make God the priority. He must be the overarching, governing priority in my life and in your life. Let me give you the context for this passage. It's Exodus 20, verses 1 through 3. And it says that God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. I told you the story. He rescued them the way he rescued you and I from sin, death, and hell. He brought them. He says, I am the Lord, your God. You see that your God there? It it has a double meaning. We like to say, well, yeah, we made him our God. No, no, you didn't. He was your God before that. You may not have recognized it, but he is the God who made you, who created you, He's the God who owns you, who has rights to everything. Everything you have is on loan from him. And he must be your priority. And any priority that gets in between you and him is a bad thing. Jesus said, if your eye offends you, pluck it out and throw it away from you. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. Better to go into into, uh, heaven missing a, a member than to go into hell in one piece. You shall have no other priorities before me. Look at this next slide. I am the Lord your God who brought you 
out of the house of slavery. He's reminding them of from whence they came, of the mighty things that he did, the ten plagues, the tremendous rescue, the parting of the Red Sea, the destruction of the army of Pharaoh. And we need to take stock and think about the destruction of Satan's control over our lives when we came to Christ. We need to remember and rehearse how bad off we were, how clueless we were, how directionless, how ignorant of the grace of God, how chaotic our lives were at times, how confusing. This is the God who brought us out of the house of slavery, slavery to sin, death, and hell. And what does he say? You shall have no other gods before me. He was their rescuer. He is your rescuer. He was their God. He is your God. When you cry out to him, seven billion people almost in the world, and he hears you. The God of the universe inclines his ear to listen to what you have to say. In Exodus 2, 23 to 24, there's a really poignant passage here. And it's really sweet in its own way. I want you to look at it with me. And this is sort of the backdrop behind this command. During those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery, and they cried out for help. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. God knew that he was going to redeem them. God heard, God remembered, God saw, God knew. Same thing happened and you cried out to God for salvation. And this is the God that sent his son to die for our sin, to do for us what we could not do for ourselves, to step in and to rescue us, to deliver us from all the chaos and confusion and lostness that we suffered from, all the delusions that somehow we could earn, our, earn God's love or buy God's favor. By grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves, not of works. It is the gift of God, lest anyone should boast. For because we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has a purpose. He knew what he was going to do with us and with Israel. And yet, and yet them, Israel, having received all of these blessings, this incredible rescue, and not just once but several times, and being sustained in the desert, Manna from heaven, the quail, protection from enemies all around, constantly forgot God. Other things became their priority, their comfort, their will, their stuff. Just like us, we live here in Silicon Valley. The cost of living is high. We're pulled in all kinds of crazy directions. We're trying to survive, trying to take care of our children. And sometimes, in the midst of all the busyness, we lose sight of God. We can't afford to do that. We have to make it the priority in the forefronts of our minds. We can't let any person, place, or thing distract us away from keeping our eye on God as we march toward glory. And yet, that's what happens. It says in the slide that's coming up in Joshua 2.10, but it's actually Judges 2.10. And Judges 2.10, after all this rescue, after all the conquest of Canaan, they move into the promised land, they set up household, and what happens? And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for less than a generation. Think about that. That's incredible. There arose another group of their children. And this is what happens with us. When God is no longer our priority, we evangelize our children, our friends, our neighbors with the priority that we now serve. We point them away from God to this distraction. And they learn by example 
what really matters. That's what happened with Israel. And it didn't just happen once. It happened again and again and throughout the book of Judges. In Judges 8, we read later on that they did not remember the Lord their God and all he had done for them. And eventually, God intervenes because God loved them and he disciplines those he loves as a father disciplines his dear children. And eventually, he sent them into exile. He destroyed their nation and he sent them. They were carried away and taken into Babylon where he promised to rescue them again in 70 years to send them back to Israel and you remember the sermon we had the message we did where we discussed stop and think it was Haggai chapter 1 they've come back from exile after 70 years in exile God brought them back Ezra and Nehemiah against all odds rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem they cleared the foundation of the temple and then the people got distracted by stuff after all they had been through after all they had suffered what does it say In Haggai, it tells us that they were doing all this stuff and they quit working on the temple, the foundation that God had laid in our hearts. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And when we turn away from God, we forget him and we chase all kinds of priorities. That's what happened to Israel. And look what happened. God, God just thwarted all their projects, all their ambitions and all their distractions. Haggai 1, 9 through 10. You looked for much and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins while, you busy your, while each of you busies himself with his own house. We have to make God the priority. We have to keep God the priority because when we don't, we get distracted. And when we get distracted, there's chaos. We have divided loyalties, conflicting priorities. We're pulled in all kinds of directions and it creates uncertainty in our homes It creates uncertainty and upheaval in the culture where we cease to be an influence and we start looking like the world. And people aren't sure what a real Christian is or what Christianity stands for. When we emphasize the wrong priorities, we forget God and we allow chaos to come back into our lives and take hold. And the consequences are great. And and you know... It happens to everybody. I mean, we think about the clothes that we're going to wear. We think about buying groceries, the house. We think about all this stuff and we forget that this life is short and eternity is long. And we stop taking the long view. And we stop laying up treasure in heaven. And we stop and we try to serve two masters knowing that we're going to love one and neglect the other. That's why Jesus said this in Matthew 6.31 and 6.33. Therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, the unbelievers, seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. So he says, you know, don't worry about the wrong priorities. Instead, do what? Verse 33. But seek first, make the number one priority, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. See, what happens is, when we lose sight of God, we think we're God. We think we are our providers. That We think we are our own saviors. We think that if we don't get this done, nobody else will. And we forget that God is there, that God has raised us up to do the works that he's prepared beforehand, that he's taken all of these things into account. And so we we get off track. We become distracted, discouraged. Chaos ensues. Our relationships get all out of whack. You know how we talked about a minute ago that there are two types of relationships in the Ten Commandments. The first four commandments are about the vertical relationship with God. The next six about the horizontal relationships with one another. We're to love the Lord our God with all of our soul, heart, soul, mind, and strength. We're to love our neighbors as ourselves. And when one of those relationships gets skewed, so do all the others. You can't be out of relationship with God and in right relationship with the people around you. 
and you can't be out of relationship with the people around you and be in right relationship with God. That's why we have to make God the priority. What does he say about this? What does he say about that? He's my God. The culture says do this, but I have to do that. And when I don't, chaos and When Jesus came to earth to seek and save that which was lost, during his temptation, Satan said, look, let's be practical. If you're the son of God, do this or do that. You can do all this stuff. Tell you what, bow down and worship me and I'll give you all the nations of the earth. Be real. You don't have to go through all this. You can do what you want to do. You're free to do what you want to do. How many times do we hear that? Come on, don't be such, don't be such a religious fanatic. But what is, what is Jesus' response in Matthew 4.10? Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. There's no room in our lives for any priority to get in the way of our relationship with God. We have to make him the priority. You take your thumb right now and hold it up in front of your face and look at me. And if you get your thumb close enough, all you can see is your thumb and not me. And I'm a whole lot bigger than your thumb. You lose perspective when you have the wrong priorities. And displacing God causes difficult, difficult, difficult things to happen in your lives. That's why you really have to look around. You know, Jesus said, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and throw it away from you. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away from you. Any priority that gets between you and God, you have to detach and discard for your sake and the sake of the people you love. Which brings us to our second law, our second rule for life. And that is this, accept no substitutes. Accept no substitutes. No one and nothing can take God's place in your life and do in you and through you and with you and for you what he can do. There's only one God and he's it. There's only one Savior and he's provided all you need for now and for eternity. Where do we see except no substitutes? Look with me at Exodus 20 verses 4 through 6. This is a little longer. You shall not make yourself a carved image, the New American Standard says, an idol or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down and serve them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Let me just stop and hit the pause button right here. Let me tell you what this is not talking about. This is not talking about something called generational curses. There's this sort of mythology that if you do something bad, God is going to hammer on your children, attack your children and your children's children all the way down the line. That's not what's going on here. You know how you know that? Of them that hate me. I remember somebody saying, you know what? I'm a believer and my kids are a believer, but I think I'm under a curse. I did something bad. I think God's going to punish my children. In Ezekiel 18, it says that does not and cannot happen. I will not punish the children for the sins of their father or the father for the sins of their children. This is talking about somebody who takes his eyes off of God and by example, time and time again, demonstrates to his children or her children that God doesn't matter, that God is irrelevant. And so he might place his career or their sports or their music or their education or his or her wealth above God. And what happens there is in so doing, they teach their children to disregard God, to disrespect God, and it costs, and it costs dearly. The costs are great because what happens is the kids learn from mom and dad and they say, you know, well, this God really doesn't matter. We don't have to, you know, we can go do this on Sunday. You know, we have this conflict. You know, church can wait. 
Oh, we don't really need the Bible. We need to be doing this. And what happens is it propagates itself unless God intervenes and breaks the chain. That's what's going on there. And then notice, but showing steadfast love to those to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. If generational curses, superstition, all right? I can't place a generational curse on anybody. No human being can place a generational curse on me. That's just all hocus pocus. Now let's get back into the 12, 10 rules for life. We look at this. This says accept no substitute. There's only one God. Don't, don't make a statue about him because you'll pretty soon be drawn to the statue and not him. And you're going to say, well, wait a minute. I don't have any statues. I don't have any stone carvings. I don't have anything that I bow down and worship like that. Is that your final answer? Because what happens is this. We'll say, well, God gave me this job, or God gave me this relationship, or God gave me that, and you know what? I'm going to sacrifice everything to pour into it. God gave me this gift, and I'm going to do whatever is necessary to develop this gift to the nth degree, to the exclusion, and at the expense of all else. Now you've substituted the means for the end. You've created an idol in your life. Maybe it's your car. Maybe it's that well-manicured lawn. Maybe it's the house of your dream. Maybe it's the person in the cubicle next to you. Maybe it's your own child, your son, your daughter. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your prestige. Maybe it's the respect that you deserve, and so you will yell, scream, and cuss to bring people to heal to give you the esteem that you deserve. That's your idol. That's your God. That's the substitute. You've made yourself or something or someone else the priority. And in so doing, you'll do whatever you need to do, even if it's sin, to accomplish this end or this goal. And that is, my friends, an idol of the heart. John Calvin once said, the human heart is an idol factory. It is. We can take good things and make them bad things. We can take something to an extreme and make it a bad thing. Anything that you would sin to get or sin to accomplish is an idol. We can worship situational ethics and tell ourselves it's okay to do this because the end justifies the means and I'm going to do this bad thing that good may come about. That's an idol. Sometimes it's an ideology. Here's a test. This is not an Eastern religion visualization exercise, but I want you to close your eyes for a moment and bring to mind the most important thing that has occupied your thinking this week. Be careful because whoever that is or whatever that is could be or become an idol because it has become the priority. I have lots of priorities, but God is the priority. Now, let me tell you, don't think that I'm perfect. I know that you're, you know that I'm not, and if you're not sure, talk to my wife and daughter. They'll, they'll clue you in. Pastors get pulled in all kinds of directions, and we're tempted to want to please everybody all the time. That would be an idol. When you confuse ministry for God, that's an idol. Happens to everybody. We have to guard against that. We have to keep God and make God, make God and keep God the priority And we have to accept no substitutes because it only leads to chaos, harm, and death. In the book of Isaiah, write this down, Isaiah 44, 9 through 17. I have it here, but and I'll I'll go through it quickly. It just shows you the the insanity of idol making. What happens in this is a guy takes a piece of wood and he makes firewood and a god. And he supposes that somehow this man-made god can deliver him. All who fashion idols are nothing, and the means they delight in do not profit. The ironsmith takes a cutting tool and works it over the coals. He fashions it with hammers and works with it with a strong arm. The carpenter stretches out a line. He makes it out with a pencil. He plants a seed where the rain nourishes it. Then it becomes fuel. He takes part of it and warms himself. He kindles fire and 
bakes bread. He also makes a god and worships it. He makes an idol and falls down before it. Half of it he burns with fire, and over the other half he eats meat. He roasts it and is satisfied. And the rest of it he makes into a god, his idol, and falls down to it and worships it. He prays to it and says, deliver me for you are my god. We're like, that is the craziest thing we've ever heard in our life. You just took this piece of wood and you bake bread on it. You took the other half and you call it your god and you're praying to it. We do that every day in our own lives, just in different, more subtle and nuanced ways. And we have to guard against that. We have to guard against that. Because if we don't, there are consequences. People learn from us. The world sees us and gets this distorted view of Christianity. The people we love begin to look to our God and not to the God. Or they look at us and there's confusion and chaos in the home. And we end up raising a generation who doesn't know the Lord. When chaos comes, it's not because we made God the priority. It's because we accepted some sort of substitute God. You've heard me use this analogy before, and I don't want to wear it out. It's probably one of the last times I'm going to use it. But the French philosopher and mathematician and reformer, Blaise Pascal, said we're created in the image of God, and in us is a void in the shape of God, and only God can fill it. And when you accept a substitute, it's like putting diesel fuel in the gasoline. And let me tell you about that. I once pumped 250 gallons of diesel into the tank of a vehicle that took gasoline. Not only was it not good for my employee personnel file, it wasn't good for the engine on that vehicle. And they cranked it up and they pulled away from the dock. It was a boat, a very large boat. And they got right out there in the channel and they were running and the thing ran rough and then finally it just stopped. That's what happens when you accept substitutes. You can worship your job or a relationship or this person or that person for a while. And for a while, things will go on. Then things start getting bumpy. Then things screech to a halt and there's chaos, confusion. And like Israel, you cry out to God again. We want to avoid that. We want to avoid that. So what can we do? Take these two rules for living, these two rules for life, these two cures, these vaccines that will inoculate us against chaos and begin to use them as a grid through which to evaluate your decision, your thought, and your attitude, desire. All right, I'm about to do this. What would God say? What does his word say about this? Is he the priority or is my comfort, my employment, my what? Can this person take the place of God? Will I allow that? Here's some questions you can ask yourself. Am I willing to do what I want? Am I willing to sin to get it? If it is, it's probably an idol. Some, some of us like to be right. Do I need to be right all the time? Well, you're not God, except no substitutes. What is my chief priority in life? What do my friends see as that priority? God or something or someone else? Basically, check yourself. Israel was supposed to be a kingdom of priests, Exodus 19.6. I will make you a kingdom of priests. The church has been created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And anything that gets in the way of that is our priority and is the wrong priority. I just want you to think about these. This is going to be a a, a journey through these 10 rules for life. And in the end, they'll make up a map for us that we can apply to each and every situation. In the meantime, make God the priority and accept no substitutes. Let me point you at a couple of resources as well that you might find helpful. One is called Idols of the Heart by Elise Fitzpatrick. It's basically about eating disorders, but what it really is about is having wrong priorities. And so whatever your challenge is, I don't, it, it doesn't have to be an eating disorder, that book you'll find helpful. A second book, a little more rigorous perhaps, is A Body of Divinity by Thomas Watson. It's a commentary on the Ten Commandments by one of the greatest Puritan writers that ever lived. If you're a glutton for punishment, get that one, okay? 
but it's good. In the meantime, think about these things. Dwell on them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. It's a day that you've made. We thank you for these 10 rules for life that are truly antidotes for chaos that remind you that we depend upon your grace, that remind us that we depend upon your grace, but also give us concrete ways to navigate through this confusing, chaotic world in which we live for the glory of God, for the good of others and our own growth. Father, help us to stop and think, to consider our ways and to implement these first two. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Keith Crosby on today's edition of Grace to Live. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And if you'd like more information on Pastor Keith or Hillside Church, here's how you can connect with us. Our mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408-269-4782. And you can connect with us on our website, which is gracetoliveradio.org. There you can check out archived messages of past sermons and also listen to Pastor Keith's weekly blog. And please remember that the Grace to Live radio program is a listener-supported ministry outreach of Hillside Church if you'd like to partner with us financially. Again, all of these things are available to you on our website, gracetoliveradio.org. Also, I'd like to remind you that Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside always look forward to hearing from you. So if you'd like to drop us a note, you can email us here at keith at hillside.org and also at jono at hillside.org. That's J-O-N-O at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time for Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you And thanks for listening. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.